To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. In you I trust, O my God. Do not let me be put to shame, nor let my enemies triumph over me. No one whose hope is in you will ever be put to shame. But they will be put to shame who are treacherous without excuse. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are good. You are God of my Savior. And my hope is in you all day long. Remember, O Lord, your great mercy and love, for they are from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me, for you are good, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful for those who keep the demands of his covenant. Here ends our first lesson from Scripture. This morning, our gospel reading is found in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. This is a story of the Good Samaritan, very familiar to all of us. If you're able, please stand for the reading of the gospel. Just then, a, war, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity, or moved with compassion. And he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, Go and do likewise. 
This is the word of our Lord. Let's see if we're, yeah, we've got some sound. Mark, Martine, could you let me sit right here? I need to be by this table here for these things that are behind me, okay? It's good to see you all today, and we've got some, uh, well, with both Jade and Willow were here last week, but we're glad that they're back, and uh, Miss Lindsay was not, but we're glad she's here too. Brent was here with Jade and Willow, and I think everybody else was here, right? All of you. Well, tell me this, what did you do in Sunday school today? What did you learn in Sunday school today? Um, Abraham and, and Lot. About Abraham and Lot, about his nephew Lot, yeah, and what they did, how, how they were together, and he took care of him, yeah. Lot was selfish, and Abraham was selfless. Okay, selflessness and selfishness. And uh, you learned that, that we're to be like Abraham, right, Abigail? What we saw in Abraham is what we want to try to be like, right? Well, just a few minutes ago, uh, Mr. Henry read for us some uh, text from Scripture, the Gospel reading, and he talked about the Good Samaritan. You all all know that story, don't you? Do you know it? You know it, don't you, about the Good Samaritan? Well, I wanted to ask you this. I brought something with me. You know, I don't know if he carried one of these with him, the Samaritan. What do you think? Do you think he carried one of these with him? That medicine? What do you think he... I don't think he He said he just bandaged up his wounds. But, you know, when we think about it, when you have... If you came across someone like that, that was maybe different from you, someone that you didn't know, and yet they were hurt, and they were bleeding, what would you do? You would... Try to give them first aid of some kind, would you? Maybe you would you would clean their wounds if it was where you could, or you would call 911. That'd be the first thing to do, and make sure that you could get someone coming. But also, you want to make sure that that their wounds are clean and that they're taken care of. When Mr. Henry read this, he said that he had that the Samaritan that he showed pity on him or compassion. What's the word compassion mean? What does that mean? Compassion. You don't know? Yes, you do. When some, when, when uh, you see a, if you have a, if you have a pet, and you see that pet hurting, does it bother you? If they're sick, and you, it makes you feel something inside, doesn't it? It makes you so, uh, sorry, or, or you feel for that animal. You, you sort of have compassion, and you do something. You act upon that. Well, this man saw that this person had been beaten up. He was had his, many of his clothes taken. He was bleeding, and he needed someone to care for him. What would happen if they didn't? What do you think? If he was just left on the side of the road, what would happen? He would probably die. 
And so by this Samaritan coming along and showing kindness and compassion, he took maybe some Band-Aids that he had or cloths. He washed his wound. He poured some ointment and some wine on there to help, it, uh, to help him uh, to feel less of the pain and to clean it so that the infection would not start. Now, what I want you to think about is this. Every day we go by and there are people that are hurting, maybe not in the way that he is, he was. They're not wounded where you can see it. Take, take one of these and pass it to them. Just give every one of these, every one, one of these. No, pass it, not throw it. Pass it to them. You see people every day who have wounds that may not be as easily seen. Their wounds where someone has not been kind to them, they've been harsh to them, they may not have anyone to take care of them, they may not even have a parent at home. And so we have opportunities to do things, to befriend individuals, to show that we care for them and we're concerned for them. You know, the thing about the Samaritan, he took care of someone who was very different from him, from him. Jesus used that to show us that our neighbor, our neighbor, is anyone, anyone that we encounter. Because all that God has created, every person God has created, is his child. And so we too have brothers and sisters all over the world who are hurting and who need compassion. So we want to remember them. And you take the Band-Aid and remember as, as you hear this homily this morning about this Samaritan that was kind and had compassion, that you too can be that way to others around you, whether it's your family members at home or whether it's someone you encounter at school, that you can also show compassion to someone. Let's bow together. Lord, we thank you for this day and for these children. We ask that you would continue to, to um, nurture them, that we might help them as they grow and understand more of your word, but also how we might live in this kingdom that you have created in this world that you have made in Christ's name. All of us gathered here today, if I look around, there are people that come from various different places, people with concerns on your hearts today. As we bow together, it's a time for us to spend thinking of those, wherever they might be, the concerns that we are on our hearts for those that are family or friends or uh, people throughout the world. May we do so in these moments of prayer today. Loving God, in these moments of quietness, we join our spirits to offer up to you our prayers. We come giving thanks to you. Thanks for life and health. 
for the privilege of work that brings fulfillment. We thank you for the gift of family and of a family of faith. We thank you for all the experiences of joy and happiness and success that individuals have experienced and are experiencing even now. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for the promise of hope that we have in Jesus the Christ. We thank you for prayers you have answered in the past, and we know that coming to you and offering our prayers are what you have told us we are to do, to lift up to you the concerns that we see around us. We know, O oh Lord, that you are the great physician, that you bring healing to mind and body and spirit, that you nurture our souls and lead us in the way that we should go. We also know that living life here and now can be tedious, and for some it is more so than others. In these moments together today, Lord, we pause for a moment to remember those individuals as we each silently have those names and images of those individuals come across our minds. For those who are grieving over the loss of loved ones today, for those who are dealing with life-changing illnesses, for those who are struggling today in relationships, for those who also find themselves facing a terrible financial reversal. We pray for those in our community who are struggling to have a place to live or food to eat. For those who have inadequate medical care and find the best way they can to care for their bodies. We pray for those concerns that all of us have of those on the coast as they have endured another storm, that there might be little loss of life, but also that those displaced might find a place of, of refuge and also of wholeness. We pray for those, too, that are faced with the uncertainty of what life holds for them, those at our borders and those around the world, around this the country in various different locations. May there be wisdom and compassion and exercise. We pray for our leaders, both here locally and those in our state and nation, but around the world. For we know that there are so many places where great oppression and violence is occurring, where the innocent are caught in the middle. Be with them and may they sense your presence, Lord. For all these things, we know that we are calling upon the one who has the power to overcome all and because you have created all that is and sustain our life daily and you give us the sustenance we need to carry on. We ask, Lord, that you would continue to guide us and help us to know how we can respond. But make us mindful of your great sacrifice 
that you have redeemed us for the purpose of also giving our lives to you and in service to your kingdom's work. Work that involves acts of compassion and kindness to teach and to lead and to guide. May we sense your call upon our lives wherever we might be or whatever we might do. May we do so willingly and lovingly in your name. Now, O oh Lord, hear us as we, your children, pray, as Jesus taught his followers to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
this morning, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to begin by telling a story. It hadn't got to do anything with my message, but the choir reminds me, particularly with the choir sitting out here in the congregation. And I realize when I tell this story, I'm putting myself way out on a limb, and that limb can easily be sawed off. I'm making myself vulnerable. But you'll have to hear the story. True life is unbelievable. It is more interesting than fiction. But my first church had a seminary. It was First Baptist Church, Sullivan, Alabama. That's in Lamar County, up in Northwest Alabama. And I was there for about five years, and it was a wonderful church. Now, I was 24 years old when I went to that church. I had no idea what I was doing. They were a wonderful, loving congregation. They embraced me, they forgave me, they guided me, they encouraged me. <clears throat> and I was blessed to begin in a congregation like First Baptist Church, Sullivan. And then I got a call from First Baptist Church, Russellville, Kentucky, and I moved to Kentucky. And I can remember the first week I was there, and this goes back to the late 70s. I can remember the first week I was there, I was having lunch with the chairman of the deacons. Now, the chairman of the deacons was named Everett Daniel, and Everett owned a furniture store in town, and he had been a lifelong resident of Russellville and member of First Baptist Church. He was the chairman of the deacons. We were sitting eating lunch and he said to me one time as we were carrying on a conversation, he said, Pastor, I want you to know I'll never do anything wrong unless it's for the good of the church. And I thought, what have I got myself into? What is going on here? And I said to him, I said, Everett, I don't think anytime you do anything wrong, it's going to be for the good of the church. You need to really rethink that. But he was really a good chairman of the deacons. And as far as I know, and I didn't want to know, he didn't do anything wrong. But also he told me a story about a custom over in eastern Kentucky. Now, I was a pastor. Russellville was in western Kentucky. But he told me about a custom in eastern Kentucky, and I think this was kind of a warning to me about my sermons. I'm not sure. I look back at it now, and it's very humorous to me now, all these years later. But what he uh, told me was about a custom over in uh, eastern Kentucky called singing the preacher down. And the choir reminds me of this. Because over in eastern Kentucky, they would do things and two things at church. They didn't have Sunday school. They only had church. And they'd start church about 10 o'clock in the morning, and they'd sing for 30 or 45 minutes. And then they'd pray for about 30 minutes. And then the preacher would preach, and the preacher would preach for an hour, an hour and a half. He would go on and on and on and on. Now, when the congregation was getting ready for the preacher to sit down, someone in the choir would begin humming very softly, humming very softly. And then others in the congregation would hum very softly. Then the whole congregation was humming very softly. 
Then someone in the choir began to sing softly, and others in the choir and the congregation began to sing softly. And then they sang louder and louder. And when the congregation was singing louder than the preacher was preaching, they called that singing the preacher down. Now, I put myself out on a limb by telling that story. Please, no humming this morning. This is going to be a short homily, okay? This morning, we're looking at the story of the Good Samaritan. And one thing that I noticed about Jesus, and I think it would be a good title for Jesus, was the fact that Jesus was a storyteller. He told many, many stories. In fact, this was the primary way that he communicated. He told the story of the prodigal son, the Pharisee and the publican, the rich man and Lazarus, the sowers and the seeds. Jesus told many, many stories, and usually his stories ended with a surprise ending. Now, the story of the Good Samaritan has a surprise ending, and I'm going to tell you what that surprise ending is right now because we're not going to deal with it too much in the sermon. We're going to deal with the characters who are involved in this story. But the surprise in the parable of the Good Samaritan is the fact that it was a Samaritan who stopped and aided the wounded man. Samaritan men and Jewish men did not get along. In fact, it wouldn't be a stretch to say that they despised each other. They did not get along. The Samaritans were those Jews who married Babylonian husbands and wives during the time of captivity. And so they were seen as less than a Jewish man or Jewish woman or a Jewish family. So there was a lot of contention between the Samaritans and the Jews. And the hero of the story is a Samaritan. No one listening to that parable would have thought that the Samaritan would be the hero of the story. But he was. Jesus was a storyteller. He told many stories, but probably his most familiar story was this parable, the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan has entered our language and our culture we give Good Samaritan awards to people who respond in crisis. There are Samaritan hospitals, Good Samaritan laws. Why, even here in Birmingham, Alabama, we've got a Samaritan counseling clinic. And I would venture to say that we all, every one of us present, have a Good Samaritan story. Back about six or seven months ago, I live on Southside, my office is in Hoover. I drove to my office that morning about 7.30. Didn't have any problems at all with my car. Didn't hear any bumping noise. Um, and then I was at the office for a couple of hours and I was going out to start making some of my visits. And I started going north on Interstate 65. And I heard a bumping in the back of my car and it got louder and louder, and I thought, I better stop and check this out. So I got to the Green Springs exit, I took that exit, and then I 
went down, took a left, and then a right into George Ward Park. Well, lo and behold, when I took that right into George Ward Park, the wheel on my car came off, the left rear wheel, and it began rolling down the road. And then my car bounced to a stop. Well, I wasn't injured, I wasn't hurt. I went down the road and got my tire and rolled it back up to my car, called AAA. And about that time, a man in the truck pulled up behind me and he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I just lost my tire. He said, do you need any help? I said, no. I said, I've called AAA and they'll be here in a few minutes. And I said to him, thank you. Thank you for your concern and thank you for stopping and asking if I was all right. I really do appreciate that. You know what he said to me? He simply said, I just wanted to be a good Samaritan. I just wanted to be a good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan has saturated our culture. But if you look at it very closely, you see that Luke adds a prologue and an epilogue. In the prologue, the lawyer comes to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, what is written in the law? What do you read? And the lawyer said, love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus said, good answer, do this and live. But the legal expert asked a follow-up question. He asked, and who is my neighbor? And who is my neighbor? But behind that question, there's the real question. Behind that question, there's the implied question. And the implied question is, who is not my neighbor? That's why the Bible says that he wanted to justify himself. Who is not my neighbor? And really, this is the question that Jesus answers rather than the question, who is my neighbor? But the lawyer asks the question, who is my neighbor? And in response, Jesus tells a story of the Good Samaritan. So now we come to the epilogue. The epilogue is after the story. The epilogue is when Jesus asked, which of the, th of the three was neighbor to the wounded man? And the lawyer had only one answer that he could give. And he said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Jesus turns the question around. He makes it personal and practical. The, the lawyer asks, who is my neighbor? And Jesus asks a different question. Jesus asks, what does it mean to be a neighbor? Being a neighbor means being compassionate. Now the text I read just a moment ago said that the Good Samaritan had pity on the wounded man. In the King James Version of the Bible and Revised Standard Version of the Bible, it says he had compassion on the man. It's the same word, pity and compassion in the Greek. It's the same word. But he had compassion on the wounded man. Being a neighbor 
means to be compassionate. Leslie Weatherhead was a Methodist minister back some years ago. And as a member of his church, he had a missionary to China. The missionary was a medical doctor and he would come home on furlough to Weatherhead's church. But he gave his life to the people in China. He loved the people, he cared for them. He cared for their sickness day after day, week after week, month after month, year in and year out. He was giving himself to the people in China. One time a man was asked, a Chinese man was asked, why is he so popular? Why is he so well accepted in China? And the man gave this answer. He said, well, I was sick and he took my sickness into his heart. He showed compassion. A number of years ago when my daughter Haley, my oldest daughter Haley lived here in Birmingham, she went for a physical examination and the doctor found some abnormal cells, some precancerous cells, and she had to have a procedure done at Brookwood Hospital. I remember going by and picking up her up about five o'clock in the morning. We drove over to the Brookwood Hospital, uh, went into the waiting room about 5.30, and we waited for a few minutes, and a nurse came to the door, and they were double swinging doors, and she called Haley's name and asked her to come on back. Haley went back, and I watched her go through those double doors, and this was a very anxious time for me, it was for her, and for the whole family. We didn't know what the outcome would be. We were hoping everything would be all right. And then I was sitting in that waiting room alone by myself. And that's a very lonely place when you're in a waiting room, waiting for somebody that you love to have a procedure and learn if all is gonna be okay or not. While I was sitting there, a friend of mine came in. I didn't ask him to come. I didn't say I wanted him to come, but he was my best friend, very good friend. We were chaplains together at Montclair Baptist Hospital. And Tony came into that waiting room and he sat down beside me. And I'll never forget what Tony said to me. He simply said to me, what happens to you and your family matters to me. And we sat together, didn't say a whole lot because I was so anxious and stressed. But he gave to me the gift of compassionate, caring presence. And we can never underestimate compassionate presence. Did you ever wonder why the Samaritans stopped when others didn't? Why he was concerned when others were not. The priest and the Levite passed by on the other side. Now, I don't think we can be too hard on the priest and the Levite. I certainly can't, I don't know about you, because there are a lot of times when I pass by on the other side, and I realize I pass by on the other side. We can't do everything, but we can do some things. And I like what John Dominic Crossan said 
about the Christian life. He simply said, do what you can. Do what you can. That makes sense because we can't do what we can't. We can do what we can. And he said, do what you can. But the priest and the Levite passed by on the other side. There's a phrase used in this parable three times. It's applied to all the characters involved. And the phrase is, he saw him. The priest passed by on the other side, and he saw him, the wounded man. The Levite passed by on the other side, and he saw him, the wounded man. The Samaritan came up to the place where the man was, and the Bible says he saw him. What do you see when you look? What do you see when you look at people in need? What do you see when you look at the wounded? There are a lot of people who look, but they don't see. What we see is determined by what we are. I don't know if you remember the little nursery rhyme. It was written in 1805, and I don't know much about it. Uh, I just got thinking about it in preparing this sermon. And it was, it was about the cat that goes to London to see the queen. Do you remember that? The cat goes to London to see the queen. And the cat comes back. And so the cat is asked, Pussycat, Pussycat, where did you go? I went to London to see the queen. Pussycat, Pussycat, what did you see? Under the throne, I saw a mouse. Now here was the palace. The queen in all her exuberance. And what did the cat see? The cat saw the mouse. What you see is determined by what you are. Now the priest and the Levite might have seen a dead man on the side of the road. They may have thought he was dead and for them to cut, touch the dead man, he would become ceremonial, ceremonially unclean. So why did the Samaritan stop when others did not? Verse 33 tells us, he saw him and he had compassion on him. I'm indebted to Dr. Vernon Stanfield, who was my preaching professor at New Orleans Seminary. He gave me some insight into this parable that I had never thought of, but I was a young preacher just out of college, going to seminary. And what he said was very simple, but it depicted and described three ways of life. He focused on each character in the story and what each character stood for. Stanfield said, the robbers said, what's yours is mine and I'll take it. The priest and the Levite said, what's mine is mine and I'll keep it. The Samaritan said, what's mine is yours, and I'll give it. Albert Einstein had a most important question. 
And his most important question was, is the universe friendly? Is the universe a friendly place? I know what answer Einstein gave, but I'm not Einstein, and I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question, but I do know something about this world. I know sometimes this world is very friendly, and then sometimes I know that this world is unfriendly. Why? Because some people live by the creed, what is yours is mine, and I'll take it. But Jesus had much more to say about the second way of life. What is mine is mine, and I'll keep it. Jesus hit hard at this way of life. He told the story of the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man saw Lazarus every day. He never noticed Lazarus. He passed by him. Lazarus was lying at his gates, asking for help. The rich man never stopped. He walked right by. The rich man, in essence, said, what is mine is mine, and I'll keep it. And then there was a rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, well, I've kept the commandments from my youth on up. And Jesus said, sell what you got, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler went away very sad because his philosophy was, what's mine is mine, and I'll keep it. The last way is the beautiful way. The action of the Good Samaritan says, what's mine is yours and I'll give it. The story of the Good Samaritan is very close to the heart of God. When God sent Jesus, he said, this is my beloved son, I give him to you. I read recently about a young man who went into a jewelry store to buy a chain and cross for his girlfriend. He was looking around in the store and he couldn't find something that really appealed to him. And the clerk came up to him and the clerk said, what are you looking for? And he told her, a cross on a chain. And she said, do you want a plain cross or the cross with a little man on it? The cross? with the little man on it. The cross with the little man on it. I don't think she understood. Because of the cross with the little man on it, we are saved, forgiven, and redeemed. All because the little man on the cross said, what's mine is yours, and I'll give it. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this wonderful parable. And in so many different ways, it speaks to us, and it speaks deeply into our hearts. We want to be compassionate. We are compassionate. We realize that we can't do everything, but we pray for your leadership and guidance, that we can reach out to those who are wounded, those who are in need, and give compassion and love and acceptance. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Sustainer. We thank you for his death on the cross. And along with Simon Peter, our testimony is 
This is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and in his name we pray. Amen. Our hymn of promise is hymn 496, Footsteps of Jesus. Please join me in prayer. God, you remind us to focus our ability on first loving you. Then you urge us to reflect that love toward our neighbor. Create anew in our hearts a burning desire to care for your children. Encourage us to follow the caring ways that Jesus taught. Multiply these ties and offerings so blessings of tolerance and hospitality are extended through our ministry to all of your children. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
living Lord, we present these tithes and offerings because truly all we have is yours. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would bless these, that you would multiply them, and that they would be used to bring others the knowledge, the love, the grace, the mercy of Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose name I pray, amen. Could be seated for just a moment, please? A couple of things to announce, uh, to make one, I want to thank uh, Henry for coming and breaking the, the bread of life for us today and reminding us of those, those truths um, of what it is that we are all about and that is why God has created us and who we are and how we relate to those around us, all those around us. Melinda, we're glad that you've been with us these two weeks as you've been filling in for Ms. Hazlett, so we thank, the, thank you that you are here and sharing with us today. Also, the choir, our choir, interim choir director, Kenny Gannon, asked me to tell you that the robes will be here probably be about somewhere around August 14th. So it won't be too long, but yet uh, in the meantime, we can look with anticipation of that and thank you all for what all you continue to do each week. It's uh, always good to hear and to be reminded of that there are those who are really talented, that God has gifted in great ways to sing praises unto him. And to inspire us. You got 20 robes. So there's plenty of, there's some, there'll be some empty robes hanging up there if you don't come and fill them. Yeah, there's some, and there's probably some that aren't here today that should be in the choir. And that would, they don't have to fill a seat here, they could fill it up there. That would be great. Well, as we, as we prepare to go out, there are a couple of things in the book. Uh, order of worship that you'll see on the calendar of events as far as things going on this week uh, our usual things we do have a special event on Wednesday if those are if you're able to attend that uh, lunch at the uh, museum um, and just to spend some time there and enjoy that together we'll be here at 11:30 for those that want to go and uh, you can call ahead just to make sure we have enough reservations for you and we'll spend that time together sort of in fellowship and it'll be a, a cool break too from the hot weather that we will have we will not be having a deacons meeting this month. Some of you ask about that. I've talked to our deacon chair. We're not going to meet this month, and we will have our um, meeting in August, but there will be some information that will be sent out to you in the next couple of weeks. So as we prepare to go out again, Henry, thank you for um, preaching for us today, and we hope that others who are not here will be here next week as we gather again uh, to worship the one true and living God. So as we go out, May you receive the blessing of Christ, which is that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would also make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you, and the Lord would lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.